Our lifespan is increasing, but what about our health span, the portion of our lives in which we're healthy? Extend your health span with SRW, Science Research Wellness. SRW is a nutraceutical company that curates the latest science and research to formulate supplements designed to support the structure, function, and processes within our cells that change with age. SRW's cell range line, cell 1, cell 2, and cell 3, constitute the complete cellular system range which supports the nine areas of the cell to change with age, the nine hallmarks of aging. SRW's carefully selected cutting-edge ingredients and formulations support the aging process in a way that previous generations have not had access to. Learn more about the science behind SRW, the nine hallmarks of aging, and how you can find out your biological age by going to srw.co. That's srw.co. SRW, the science of aging well. srw.co. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. And now for something completely different, because uh, usually when I do a podcast with uh, our nutritionist in residence, Layla Newton, it's our weekly Q&A with Layla. This is different because Layla and I are co-authors on a chapter in a book entitled An Overview of Integrative Sexual Health. And so we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to interview each other. Not quite sure how that's going to work out, but, uh, you know, uh, we both uh, are experienced podcasters, and so we're going to turn the tables on each other and interview each other about uh, our chapter. So let me tell you a little bit about this book. Uh, this book is uh, part of the Andrew Weil series mm-hmm. on integrative health, and they're kind of rolling through various themes in integrative medicine. And you got to admit, you know, sexual health is an important part of life. Sure. And there are um, uh, all kinds of ramifications of that when it comes to natural medicine. So, for example, uh, let's look at the table of contents of the book. Uh, Section one is an integrative medicine framework for understanding sexual dysfunction. And then there's chapters on male sexual function and dysfunction, midlife and beyond male hormonal status. We're going to talk a little bit about andropause. Mm. Uh, there's a chapter on uh, <clears throat> sexual dysfunction and exercise, the impact of exercise. You know, maybe not enough exercise, not good. Too much exercise also, right? right? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, The obesity epidemic and sexual health. Uh, mm-hmm. We touch upon that a little bit in our chapter. Uh, there's uh, understanding sexual addiction and hypersexuality. A chapter uh, dedicated to the Hollywood elite uh, who are now. <laughs> that's uh, we, and that's by uh, uh, that's a chapter by uh, uh, Weinstein, right? No, that's, that's, he's not. That's by uh, Monica Meyer, and so there's there's all kinds of authors, and there's there's oh my goodness, there's 23 chapters. There's also something on botanicals that support or stimulate desire, um, and uh, uh, there's. Uh, chapters on uh, uh, pelvic uh, rehabilitation mm-hmm. and, you know, all kinds of mm-hmm. uh, important stuff that has to do with um, 
you know, with sexual functioning, which is an important and, part of human uh, performance. And truly integrative, covering yeah. all of that ground right. for this topic. So we hope that the book will be uh, a bestseller. You know, like it, it's going to, I think it's going to eclipse Fifty Shades. Because you know, <laughs> that Fifty Shades series. I heard there were 50 more shades. I don't okay. follow. I don't, there's 50 anyway. more. There's, there, yeah. I think there's only, there have been three or four movies. So it's like 46 more shades now. Oh, is that right? Okay. okay. <laughs> so at any rate, so, uh, you know, all kidding aside, I mean, this is, you know, serious issue. And we were tasked, uh, Layla and I, with writing a chapter on the impact of macronutrients on mm -hmm. uh, sexuality. So, you know, I got that assignment. And, you know, they, uh, one of the editors, actually both of the editors are uh, good colleagues of mine. Uh, Dr. Barbara Bartlick is an integrative psychiatrist and Dr. Gio Espinosa, uh, both of whom you will hear from because we're going to be interviewing them about their chapters in the book. Um, Terrific. And so we're going to really sort of this mm -hmm. month and next a comprehensive overview of integrative treatment of sexuality. Uh, but I wanted to start by... Uh, interviewing us because we wrote this chapter. So, you know, it was kind of a weird assignment because like when you think about well, what impact does food really have on, on sexuality? I mean, that's kind of a, that's a challenging question because I mean, you see these articles sometimes in these like Cosmopolitan or something like that about, oh. you know, what to eat, you know, to mm -hmm. be sexier, right? to make you sexier. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they say, well, you know, eat asparagus, you know, because well, you know, asparagus is a little bit of a suggestive shape, mm. you know, and kind of, you know, maybe that is going to help uh, sexual performance. And then uh, it's reputed that, um, you know, if you have a romantic dinner with uh, champagne and oysters. Yes. Oysters, oysters you know, are, are with, uh, with sexual performance. Yeah. So we kind of, you know, we kind of looked, started with a, a popular culture perspective on that. And uh, and then went on and looked at the, the scientific findings. So what are what are some of the things that we concluded about you know some of these popular notions about yeah. what to eat to make you sexier? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was really struck, Dr. Hoffman, when you wrote about rhinoceros horn. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can reboot flagging desire, and if that was true, and these are right, well old beliefs. Can rhinoceros horn make you horny? <laughs> you know, Possibly. Like, honk, if, honk if you're horny. <laughs> honk I mean, if you're horny. If you see exactly. a rhinoceros, you know. You know right. I mean, right. Not, nothing's as horny as a as a uh, rhinoceros in uh, mating season. I mean, they'll charge your they'll charge your Land Rover and, and tip it over. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Mistaking it for a female rhinoceros. Right. You know, right? Oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh, but of course, so basically, hmm. uh, what we concluded after review of that is that a lot of that is simply uh, folklore. Mm. Folklore, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, so for example, uh, there is a, is something called the doctrine of signatures, mm. which posits that uh, form follows function when it comes to plant properties. So in other words, if a plant, uh, you know, looks like uh, an erect male organ, that somehow you know, like an asparagus, mm -hmm. somehow yeah. it's going to. Yeah. Know, endow you with sexual powers, Palace, almost yes. like a phallic kind of thing. No, there's not much to that, and you know mm -hmm. we you know do an analysis of that. Um, well, what about uh, you know? There's this expression: "Eat fish, live longer; eat shellfish, love longer." Is there anything uh, to that? Uh, I, I think it might be based on the zinc and selenium levels mm -hmm. of shellfish, right? More than in regular 
fish. Right. But, you know, there's this whole notion that, and and we see some of these male potency supplements that have zinc in them, as if zinc, just automatically taking zinc is going to make you, uh, you know, increase your libido. Some people relate it to having to do with levels of testosterone. Right. So it it is true that if you have a profound zinc deficiency, that you will have low levels of testosterone. Mm. But... You know, take, if you have, uh, you know, normal, even marginally good zinc, you know, yeah. taking more zinc isn't going to make you sexier. Right. This is not. Right. And so zinc deficiency can result in infertility, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no evidence that zinc supplementation will promote sexual performance in anybody who's already replete with zinc. So yeah. forget the oysters thing. Uh, you know, then there's uh, prairie oysters. Yeah. What about that? Does yeah. anybody know what prairie oysters are? <laughs> <laughs> well, they were they're pretty popular up until uh-huh. uh, recently. You know, uh, it's uh, uh, bull testicles, mm-hmm. and you know there, there's also these these things that they eat in China. You know, some like rhinoceros horn and uh, shark fin, and uh, don't they eat bull cojones in Spain or yeah. something? It and might be something. So like here's fun. the problem: mm. is when you cook and digest, even though those organs actually may have a lot of testosterone, mm-hmm. uh, when you cook it and digest it. You break it down. You get virtually nothing. Oh, I see. Okay. okay. So you have to inject it. I see. Yeah. And that's probably not such a great idea. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, don't, it, actually, some of the early experiments with testosterone supplementation, when they first began doing it, is they would take ground up monkey testicles. Ooh, oh, my. <laughs> feel, feel bad for the monkey. And they would, you know, and this would, I even said, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> you have sympathy pain. Right. right? right. You, you have uh, empathy. Yes. Uh, so... And they would inject it into, and usually this was the something that the super rich indulgent would do. You know, mm. like they, it was like a real kind of esoteric luxury thing in Victorian England to take, uh, you know, ground up monkey testicles and inject wow. them. And of course, that didn't do a whole lot of good. Mm. Uh, but it, you actually have to bypass the gastrointestinal tract with testosterone. Taking you, there are certain testosterone uh, supplements that you can take. They're prescription medications, mm-hmm. but they're actually synthetic testosterone. The oral testosterone, uh, I, I frown on. You know, yeah. I, we like to either use topical uh, creams. It's or patches, mm-hmm. or sometimes injections, but you can't really um, swallow uh, natural testosterone. So that's out. That's so, the prairie oysters not happening. Naturally, then, it begs the question, what lowers testosterone? Mm-hmm. Not just andropause, andropo- you know, lower testosterone. Well, there's, so there's another yeah. way. So, that, yeah. so it's another way is, like, here's a, sometimes you think, like, well, how would you achieve uh, success, you know, success in business? Actually, one of the ways to analyze that problem is like, how do you, how do you fail? You know, let's analyze failure mm-hmm. to, to understand success. So let's look at, you know, what are some things that could impair sexual functioning yes. uh, from a dietary standpoint? Mm-hmm. And then let's see if we can uh, avoid them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the approach that we took in this article, mm-hmm. uh, which you'll have to buy the book to get to read. Right. Okay. So... Th- <laughs> This concludes today's broadcast. <laughs> no, I, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. part with some of our secrets here. So, yeah. um, well, what, so what are some models of, of things that might impair sexual functioning from a dietary standpoint? Right. Uh, well, uh, from a dietary standpoint, being nutritionally deficient in anything, you brought up the zinc example, yeah. which is so. Very, so yeah. in a starvation state, you know, mm. actually nature uh, kind of handles that because uh, you know if you're starving. It doesn't make sense to propagate and bring 
babies in the world. So yes. women become infertile, mm -hmm. uh, men uh, become infertile, mm -hmm. uh, sperm count declines in starvation yes. and under tremendous stress mm -hmm. and uh, libido flags. Because yeah. you know you're more preoccupied with the, the you know the, you have to survive you the have hierarchy to... of survival, which is to get food, to get shelter. Right. The desire is for eating, not for right. just for progeny. It's mere survival, mm -hmm. right? And not necessarily perpetuating the uh, mm -hmm. because to bring a, a baby into the world of starvation and, and privation would be, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, yeah. not a good idea. So that's so people who are on very marginal diets. That and actually, what's interesting is uh, we looked, you know, I came across something interesting. Uh, there was this cat named John Harvey Kellogg. Yeah. Uh, who was an interesting guy. Mm -hmm. uh, there was actually a movie about he, him. He was a 19th century health crusader. Uh, and in the 19th century, there was this Victorian ideal. Mm -hmm. And the Victorian, it was a very repressive time. Uh, yeah. At the same time that there was all kinds of dens of iniquity in Victorian London and in New York, it was the under. It was really the the underside of a society that was very repressive, mm -hmm. and Victorian uh, uh, philosophy was to reduce excitation and to suppress uh, desire. And mm -hmm. in fact, it was thought that. Uh, excess sexual stimulation was bad it would lead you to madness masturbation yes. was was You'll become was, blind right that whole thing you know the, it so yeah, yeah, so yeah. he he was very zealous about this and by the way kellogg mm -hmm. is a name that we now associate with modern cereal yes the, kellogg's cornflakes he's a very self-same guy because americans yeah. prior to about 18 late 1800s uh breakfast used to be uh beer Mm. With uh, because, because it was safe to drink. It was safe to drink because then it, water. It was yeah. a natural disinfectant is alcohol. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, after working in the fields from dawn to like you know maybe nine o'clock or something, you'd have a breakfast which would be eggs and bacon, mm. salt pork, mm. and um, yum. It, yeah, and <laughs> and really a high fat, high cholesterol, high protein kind of thing. And he was a reformer. He was a reformer. So he said, yeah. this is terrible that we're eating this way because these foods lead to licentiousness. Yes. And mm -hmm. so uh, he, he said uh, the invention of, it, I, or we write in this article, it may be said without exaggeration, that the invention of cornflakes and granola were intended to stem the tide of licentiousness and unchastity. Mm. So I'll read for you. Uh, what yeah. Kellogg has to read about, has to say about this as a negative example, not mm -hmm. something that promotes sexuality, but if, you know we sometimes learn from a negative example. Yes. He says in one of his pamphlets, he was he distributed pamphlets, you know, uh, to prom, you know proselytize his worldview. Quote: He who would keep in subjection his animal nature must carefully guard the portal to his stomach. Only the most simple and wholesome food should be eaten, and only in such moderate quantities as are required to replenish the tissues. Disgust for simple food is one of the traits that a victim of this vice, i.e. masturbation, mm -hmm. is likely to possess. The science of physiology teaches that our very thoughts are born of what we eat. Mm -hmm. Eat fruits, grains, milk, and vegetables. There's a rich variety of these kinds of foods, and they are wholesome and unstimulating. Mm -hmm. Graham flour, you know, his, his, by the way, his sidekick was Sylvester Graham, who made the 
Graham crackers. Oh, my. So Kellogg and Graham hung out. Okay. So Graham flour, oatmeal, and ripe fruit are the indispensables of a dietary for those who are suffering from sexual excesses. Wow. Guarding the portal to the stomach. You take the opposite of that. The way to anyone's heart is through, through their st- stomach. Right. Cook a beautiful romantic meal. <laughs> right. But in this case, yeah. the, ob- the object is to, to repress. Yes. This is a good point which to pause because we, divide, we, we uh, allow our sponsors an opportunity to uh, share a message with you. So uh, here goes. Please listen up. As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stocked the Protocol for Life Balance product line in my online dispensary, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out for their support of mood and emotional wellness, myonostal powder, L-theanine, and clinical stress relief. Myonostal powder promotes emotional and mental wellness and healthy eating patterns. L-theanine can support relaxation without drowsiness and promotes healthy cognitive function. And clinical stress relief has been shown to support healthy cortisol levels and thus can help relieve the symptoms of stress from everyday life. They're available at dearhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's dearhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. So one wonders... You know, is there really something uh, to this? And, you know, because it sounds, it sounds fanciful, but really, is there something to this that if, like, say, you know, you were... Uh, and, and this is actually something that traditionally monks have followed, and monks in uh, uh, religious orders have followed, yeah. is that uh, they were on a diet of lots of uh, porridge mm-hmm. and vegetables and uh, a little bit of fish, mm-hmm. but they were very sparing. Very sparing, more vegetarian, right. vegan. And the whole diet is to keep them from impure thoughts. Huh. And so is, is this true? Is this real? Well, we, we looked at studies and we found several that speak to this. One study evaluated the effect of a vegetarian diet on uh, hormones, prolactin, testosterone, DHEA in men and women. And it found that indeed diet restriction could produce hormonal changes. Specifically, it a, a decrease in circulating sex hormones. Yes. And now, this could be good because mm-hmm. let's say you've had prostate cancer. Yeah. Or let's say you've had... Estrogen dominance. Uh, like uh, or, breast cancer or mm-hmm. an estrogen uh, responsive breast cancer. Yeah. Uh, so... That could be a good thing. Yeah. So you, In that scenario. In that scenario, you may want to go on a quasi-vegan diet, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. lots of fiber and vegetables because uh, yeah. that may help. But... Uh, from the standpoint of sexual performance, um, we don't know if, if, I mean, are vegetarians less sexy than omnivores or carnivores? I don't know that that study has been done. Yeah. Uh, there have been some studies looking at vegetarians in terms of the risk of depression. Mm-hmm. And several of the studies suggest that there's a higher risk of depression among vegetarians and vegans. Could be the uh, lower iron, the B12, the zinc, the selenium, the CoQ10. Or it could be that people of- who are a little bit more shall we say, obsessed with food, already have some neurotic tendencies. Yeah. It could be correlation. Yes and yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That they're, they're already a little, because other people, they don't care. They have no, you know, they, yeah. they're, they're, they don't, don't concern themselves with it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but anyway, uh, there are some studies that suggest that uh, their hormone levels are affected by diet. I remember there was a study on vegan men. This was several years ago. I remember you had brought it to my attention that they found that vegan men who relied heavily on soy, when you're vegan, it's hard to find another complete yes. protein. Yes. Soy is a complete protein. By the way, so is hemp. Yeah. So soy being the one that most vegans rely on, these men had lower sperm counts. And it's estrogenic. And it's estrogenic. It's estrogenic, yes. So, and that estrogen also competes with their testosterone, winds up quashing testosterone, mm -hmm. at least to a degree, and having lower sperm counts. Another thing that can squash, that can quash testosterone is abdominal obesity. The depo, oh. it behaves as an endocrine gland. It aromatizes yeah. the testosterone, turns it into estrogen. So, so now yeah. we're actually getting into the flip side. It's like, uh, yeah. first we're talking about the effects of a calorically restricted diet or a very uh, plant-based diet on mm -hmm. hormones. What about the opposite, the, which is more the rule in America, excess? Excess, yeah. So excess can also dampen sex drive sure. as well. Yeah. So how does... The, but, how does that work? Obesity, just starting with obesity. So and fat cells endocrine. are like a sponge for testosterone. Yeah, yeah. The fat cells are not just a depot of fat. They behave as an endocrine gland. And they make Supreme. estrogen. They make, they make estrogen. Mm -hmm. And that competes with the testosterone, quashes it wins. And that's why many men have much lower... Men, you look at a demographic, they, they, typically middle-aged... Middle aromatization. Aromatization of the testosterone. Yes. Those with any kind of belly fat that way, a beer belly, mm -hmm. little overweight, the gut is hanging over the belt, yeah. all of that kind of thing. And by, they will that's associated with low T. Low T. Yeah. 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 And that, that would be a primary reason, aside from medications like statins, mm -hmm. if you drink alcohol to excess... It lowers your testosterone, yeah. yeah. If you use marijuana, I and think it, but, at all. And by the way, excess alcohol will increase estrogen too. So yeah. what, one of the things that I noticed when we saw the, you know, I, I trained at Bellevue, you know, and mm -hmm. I trained at the Manhattan VA. So there's a lot of alcoholics, um, yeah. you know, there's a sort of direct pipeline from the Bowery to Bellevue. And oh. so a lot of the men that we saw there were, you know, had alcohol-related disorders. And, you know, when you examine them, they had something interesting. They often had a great head of hair. Great yeah. head of hair. Yeah. Uh, no baldness because they had low T. Mm -hmm. uh, they also had uh, often scant body hair and mm -hmm. scant pubic hair. Wow. And they also had, and I don't want to be too graphic about it, they had smaller testicles. Ah. And they also mm -hmm. had a feature called gynecomastia, which is uh, more uh, sort of hanging uh, breasts, right. breasts. Male, male breasts. Male breasts. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like that Seinfeld episode, the man bro. Yeah. The you know, man bro. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, or the... Uh, so, so anyway, so there, there is an effect, you know, certainly of alcohol. We do touch upon this here because alcohol is a, it's a nutrient. Mm -hmm. And some it's studies... It's the fourth form of fuel. Yeah. You know, the macronutrients, carbohydrate is a fuel, protein is a fuel, fat is a fuel, and alcohol. So alcohol, uh, in terms of the effects on libido, obviously it's a disinhibitor. Yeah. And it, uh, it you know, certainly can... It will help you. T it's the social lubricant. Exactly. To start the conversation or However, make a move. However, long-term yeah. uh, use, alcoholism, is notorious for depleting testosterone in men. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so Besides the toxic after effects of alcohol. And you know. There's a, and the neurotoxic effect, you know, you actually get uh, nerve damage, which may cause mm -hmm. ED, you know, yes. from too much alcohol. Yes. And alcohol itself, uh, Dr. Prezerno uh, said it best, it's a mitochondrial poison. All of our chronic diseases start with the uh, the deficiency in performing mitochondria or the lack of mitochondrial function. So that's something. And alcohol, you, you don't you don't feel well the next day. And yeah, alcohol may provide more disinhibition, but if anybody has, you drink too much, you get ED. Mm -hmm. That happens yep. pretty much. Yep. And uh, okay, so I think this is a good uh, introduction to. Mm -hmm. uh, the subject of the impact of diet on sexuality. I mean, it's 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 kind of not what uh, the glamour magazines uh, talk about. You know, the romantic dinner that's going to make you feel uh, sexier on a date. Uh, I think one of the things we want to talk about a little bit is chocolate because chocolate is uh, often touted as an aphrodisiac, and we mm -hmm. did a little uh, research on that mm -hmm. uh, for this chapter, and so we'll talk about that in part two. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, a uh, yeah, special uh, broadcast of um, Intelligent Medicine because we're talking about our book chapter on the impact of diet on sexual performance. It's part of a book called Integrative Sexual Health, which is released this month, March 14th. And you can find it in bookstores now. You can find it in bookstores and usual sources online. Uh, it's part of the Andrew Weil a series on integrative medicine, and it's got uh, many chapters. We'll be interviewing some of the other uh, authors, Dr. Barbara Bartlick, a psychiatrist, and Dr. Gio Espinosa, a naturopathic uh, urologist, on future episodes of Intelligent Medicine. So if this is a topic that interests you, are you interested in sex? Who isn't? Who isn't? You, know. <laughs> you can learn If more. you're healthy, yes. Yeah. Right. I don't know. If you, maybe you know, you're, you have dietary insufficiency or you have um, uh, severe metabolic syndrome, you may have less interest. Sure. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.